Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to Unloose the Goose, episode 40. This is episode 40. We've only almost been doing this a year. I just realized that we're about 10 episodes-ish away from having done this for a full year. Today is a What the Flock episode where we, where we are going to invite listeners on the show. And I've put the link out in a few places. I'm going to throw it over on YouTube as well. If you want to join the show and talk about whatever we're talking about today, just click on that link and join the Zoom call, and then we'll explore your agorist perspective. I'm really curious to hear from y'all about why you became interested in agorism, what stands in your way, what's complicated about it. But I also think I want to talk about this whole gas shortage thing, because I got up this morning, and all of a sudden, social media everywhere is flipping out about people buying gas for their cars. Have you noticed that? So the pipeline was under cyber attack. The pipeline, I can't remember what it's called, but the pipeline on the East Coast. Anyway, the one that supplies all the gas stations in my area. And they got a, they got, they basically got hacked. And the way the hack works is it encrypts their files so they can't access them anymore. And so they just shut the whole thing down. It was done by a group of hackers out of Russia who then issued a statement saying, Sorry, we didn't mean to cause any problems. We just want money. Okay, well, you cause problems. And you got to know the motivation for that is mm, maybe the government somewhere is, maybe our government's going to consider that an act of terror because they shut off supply to fuel for the entire East Coast, pretty much, of the United States. That was kind of a bad party foul move, in my opinion. But it is what it is, right? So now people are going to gas stations because they hear there are going to be shortages and filling up extra tanks. And it just got me to thinking, like for the whole last almost year on Unloose the Goose, we've been focusing on solutions and developing more self-reliance into your life, ways to get around the system. And yet, a lot of people in our network are stuck without any gas storage, and they're not quite sure how to get to work. And it becomes this thing where you're dependent on the market that is controlled in many ways by the government and you need to tap into that and you didn't prepare and now you're caught with your pants down. So I'm actually wondering how many of you got caught with your pants down and we're streaming over on YouTube too. Ariel, like join the chat. I dropped the, did you see that link? Join the zoom chat. We can talk like with words and stuff, not just with chat. It'd be fun. So Yeah, we got caught with our pants down. And the lesson from all of this, from what I'm understanding from social media, is that we need to limit how much gas each person can buy at a gas station, maybe assign days of the week like we did in the 70s. For those of you who aren't old like I am, there was a gas shortage in the 70s, and we had long gas lines, and there were lots of rules about what, where, where and how you could buy gas, and then lots of marketing campaigns about not going more than 55 miles per hour so that you can serve your gas, get better gas mileage, use less gas because of the shortage on gas. Of course, prices went up. It's just the way that works when there's a shortage, the prices go up. But what we need to do to control this is to cap prices so there's not price gouging because if prices are allowed to go up, people would buy less gas. But if we, you know, if we keep the prices low, then people don't spend too much on gas and then limit what people can buy. And I don't even know what else all has been proposed because I stopped reading at that point. Wouldn't you stop reading at that point? Yeah. So what they want are all these socialized controls. And the problem that is at the root of this gas quote unquote shortage is that we are dependent on one pipeline to fuel, to provide gas to a huge section of the United States. One pipeline. If there were more than one pipeline, if there were other ways to get gasoline, 
then it wouldn't matter so much, would it? If there was a decentralized way to, oh, I don't know, get gas from here to there and into our cars, there wouldn't be a problem. But because there's this one way that's very efficient at getting gas to us until it's not efficient, that's our root cause. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about regulations that keep comp- competition out of that entire field. They're just talking about making it so you can't price gouge, which then will not reduce demand, and limiting how much you can buy at the gas station. And then there's, of course, people who are super upset because they can't find gas and they're yelling at people online. Hey, guys, over on YouTube, go all caps if you're going to do a <laughs> any comments. And do join me here. I mean, I'm sitting here alone on a Zoom call answering your questions on YouTube. You can totally put them on YouTube. I don't mind being alone, but it's kind of fun to see your faces. Or you could just like put your mug up, you know, just this is my mug. (laughs) I'm drinking, I'm drinking some good, heavy, hardcore fizzy water. So that's the gas shortage. And the funny thing about it is the longer it goes on, apparently the more behind we are. But then I talked to somebody about why is there a shortage? And they said mechanically the, the fuel is, can move fine up and down this pipeline. The problem is, that they are doing um, orders and fulfillment on paper. So orders and fulfillment with paperwork instead of computers is kind of a problem. And if you've ever run like a big computer system, it is kind of hard to just, you know, do everything manually. Doing everything manually is no fun. Looks like we've got a couple people joining in. Some of the, some of the geese, some of the flock. What the flock? You guys are here. Duck, 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 cluck, goose is on. And it looks like you're still working on getting your mic, but Sage, can you, Sage, can you unmute? We'll, yes, uh, I can. well, welcome to Unloose the Goose. How are you today? Thank you so much. Doing great. What do you think of all this gas shortage stuff? I think it's just another. Deep state attack on America. Yeah? What do you think we should do about it? <laughs> um, correct the elections, revert, reverse the elections, and uh, get this moo cow out of our uh, office that he's in, I think would be a very good start. Yeah? Oh, looks like Duck Cluck Goose just fell off the live stream. So wh- how did you come to Unloose the Goose? How did you find us? Well, I am a, uh, a fan of Xavier Hawk. Yeah. Uh, been been watching his baselines uh, for a little while now. Look forward to him every day. Yeah. Um, and he's mentioned uh, Unloose the Goose uh, quite a few times and so I just scheduled a, a, a meeting reminder. I sat in on one last week. Uh, the guys were discussing crypto coins and, uh, you know, got fire on coming up on, on Friday, but that, that was a, uh, enjoyable conversation. Learned a lot from them. Yeah. Um, I'm a good group of guys. I, I really was, love I the spirit. The head shrink comes from Xavier. Day. What did you say? I said I really love the spirit that comes from Xavier. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's 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 good at sarcastic news delivery. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's on point. Do you do you get to the point where you read the news and you're just making your own sarcastic headlines in your head? <laughs> I wish I was that creative, but uh I I, I did I I sit here and shake my head the whole time I'm reading them. I'm like Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not well, surprised. Nothing surprises me anymore. So what are you doing to become less dependent on government for your life? Uh, you know, that's, that's actually <laughs> a really tough question um, because I am totally and completely um, almost at the, at the hands of the government. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a survivor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm 55 on disability. My wife's, uh, 60 on disability. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for them, you know, um, it would, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, so have you put some thought to what you would do if disability disappeared? Um, yeah, you know, it's, and, 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 it, and it's scary. I'm not real sure exactly how it would go. Um, but if we lost power, um, it would be, it, it would, it would be the end of both of us. We're both on life support systems. Oh. Um, so if our grid went down, um, we're going down with it. Ooh, that's a rough one. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, backup generator, <laughs> you know, that's not going to, that's not going to cut it for, for long. Um, so I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I got two years left on a 30 year mortgage. Yeah. Um, you know, so hopefully that's going to put us in, in a better position. Um, but I've always worked in a, uh, on a, on a plan to be self-sustainable. And, you know, I kind of look at that now and, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful that I, I've, I've always had my pieces where they needed to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real scary, Feeling not being dependent upon yourself uh, and not being able to sustain yourself. So how's the community around you? Um, they're all getting older. Uh, the most most of my neighbors are, uh, you know, hitting their seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 really changing. You know, I. We live in, you know, I, I guess you call them a bunch of old hippies, you know, um, and, and, and they're retiring and, um, you know, they're, they're in shock and disbelief too. Um, this whole COVID thing is driving a wedge between everybody because what used to be a close community now everybody's just kind of waving from their yard. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting together and eating and having, you know, big block parties like we used to. What part of the world are you in? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Ah. So people down there are still not getting together? We are allowed to get together. But no, they're not. They're scared to death. Um, they they are literally scared to death. Um, they're still wearing the mask. Yeah. Uh, to a distance, they they uh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird. I they they bought bought it hook line and sinker. And they haven't let go. So, what do you think about all that? Well, I think it's all a, uh, a, a sigh. Uh, I've called it from day one. Um, I, I, it's, I don't know if the, uh, virus, virus is real, but I'm looking at all these magnets sticking on people's arms and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's, there's your, <laughs> that's definitely bio warfare right, right there. You're shooting heavy metals into people, and I'm worried about sterilizing the kids. Yeah. What happens if we sterilize the kids? Well, we won't reproduce. Yeah. And it's that, just that totally a, solves a, the overpopulation problem, right? Say your question. I said that totally solves the overpopulation problem, right? Exactly. It's a slow kill. Um <laughs> And they, I guess they that's don't better than lining us up and shooting us. Right. They don't mind waiting, you know. I mean they work in in eight hundred year cycles. They're used to waiting it out. Yeah. 
they are used to waiting it out, I guess. Who are they, though? That's the thing I always wonder. I know it doesn't matter who they are when we talk about oligarchs, but it kind of does. Right. Well, they being the, the, the Phoenicians, um, the ones that run the entire slave system and, and um, this, this whole, this whole reality that, that we're in is a reset system. They take the books. <laughs> They 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 uh, put you on a, uh, a a no billing system, so everything comes to you digital. There's there's no traces or evidence of the bills that you owe or the bills that you pay. Uh, all your checking and all your finances hidden behind a digital system. Well, you turn it off and it's all gone. There's no books for you to read to get your knowledge base from. There, uh, if if the masses don't know what these little machines are sitting there, um, it's just so easy for them to turn it off and reset this thing. And judging from our buildings and from 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 India to South America to North America, all around the country, the architecture matches. So this this reset system has been done over and over again. Yep, looks like we're getting. And that's who they is. They is the one that that wins, and they get to rewrite history. Yeah, well, we've been rewriting history here for a long time. Hmm. I see. We have duck cluck goose again, but the um the audio is not showing up. I mean, and I'm just gonna say what it looks like they're having a little connectivity. I'm gonna introduce him or her as soon as they get on, but. I was thinking that was going to happen, and then I'm getting this dot, dot, dot on the audio. So how do we opt out? Because I think that a lot of times we try to fix the system rather than walk away from the system. So what do you think you could do to walk away from the system? Well, I like your question of how how do you opt out? And I think the real answer there is, to not opt in. And how um, does that work? Well, it really depends on what you're opting opting in and out to. Uh, but like if you go into the legal system, the legal system wants you to sign papers, um, blindly sign papers. And by doing that, you're opting in. It's like the income tax. The income tax is a voluntary tax. That tax is by, by signing your, um, your return every year, you're agreeing to follow all the rules and, and obligations of that system. Well, if you don't sign, you don't consent. The only people that really are required to to file income tax is government workers and military workers and people that work for the government. Those are the only people required to follow the government orders and mandates. We as a free sovereign people don't have to pay income tax. Somebody online says opt out of the birth certificate system. I know people without birth certificates who have done fine their whole life. That gets harder and harder to do though. Uh, after you want to travel somewhere. Now, Duck Cluck Goose, I see that you're on, but you're muted. Can you unmute yourself and tell us hello? Are you able to? We're also having a weird thing where I've pasted the Zoom link for another person about nine times and he can't see it. So if somebody else has the Zoom link in chat, can you paste it? The Zoom, the Zoom link is running together. You have your uh, HTTP next to another letter. And so no, that, I mean, they're not seeing the chat out. in the YouTube, and I've oh, pasted okay. it like 9,000 times. So um, I don't know what that's about. I'm hoping if somebody else who can see it can paste it for, for, for Leo's mic, that would be great. And Duck Cluck Goose. Oh, can you hear me you've now? Un- you've unmuted. Yay. 
So I do Zoom all day, but I've never used my phone for it. <laughs> That's okay. It's, it's kind of hard. Goose. Welcome to Unloose the Goose. How did you find us? Um, I'm on your forum at MeWe. So I, yeah. I'm a list, I'm a listener and I, uh, listen to Jack Spirico and I have been enjoying the Unloose the Goose podcast as well. Awesome. And why did you keep listening to it after you heard it one time? Um, I actually enjoy the, I enjoy the banter between the different hosts and, uh, I actually enjoy, um, the podcasts that I enjoy the most are ones where there's guests. Yeah. So I find the uh, Unloose the Goose podcast interesting and I've got to know some new uh, personalities that I can follow. Mm-hmm. That's good. How? What are you doing to uh, increase freedom in your life? Um, well, I've, I've just been... Uh, I've been following the uh, survival podcast for like 13 years mm-hmm. and I do a lot of homesteading. So for me personally, it's just influencing my immediate sphere of influence, people directly around me Yeah, and doing things for myself that I enjoy doing and um, in, enjoying, enjoying the fruits of my labors keeping poultry and having a garden. And how's that? How's that working for you? Uh, well, it makes me happy. <laughs> so last year when the shortages started happening, were you feeling more prepared for that because of those steps that you've taken? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was absolutely feeling more, uh, more confident and, uh, just more, personally secure yeah having uh having you know basic preps around and knowing that it if i don't go to the grocery store for a while that's that's okay yeah and now that we're here and we have the gas shortage what are your thoughts on that uh well i don't have a gas shortage you don't. Why not? Well, I have, I have a gas rotation. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was doing that before I even started listening to, you know, podcasting. Um, but uh, you know, I, I do the, the rotation where you have a set of cans and you rotate them every month. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to go. Uh, we. We do the same thing here and it makes it a little easier when, when gas runs out. Although we were, I don't do one, I don't do one a month. Uh, we do them in sets and it was time to refill a set last weekend. So I was glad we did. I see sure. we have, we have Mike, Leos Mike has joined us. Leos, can you unmute? Hi, Nicole. Hey, welcome to the show. What brings you here today? Oh, well, you know, got to fly with the gaggle. Uh, you're talking about gas cans. You know, you've seen a lot of people, uh, very grateful to have, uh, started Jack's 12 can rotation system over the last, uh, week or two. Um, has that been impacting you in the hauler? Not yet. We just started running out of gas here today and also needed to pick up animal feeds. So one person went to go do that. But what I'm finding is, they're just spots of outages, so it's not a big deal. So from that standpoint, not really. Uh, the other side is that there is some fuel stored here, so if we get low, we can still get places. Sounds good to me. <laughs> New Hampshire hasn't had any issues with it yet, but I am interested in watching um, how that is spreading from the um, from the beginning of the pipeline to the end. Uh, and how people are reacting to it. Have you seen, um, I don't know, any, any fear or, or, um, say hostile reactions of, yeah. um, from folks yet? Yeah. When I started the show, I was, I was kind of complaining because people are starting to be jerks online to each other about filling cars up. Somebody actually said, don't fill your car up, leave gas for other people. And I'm thinking, 
that's what I do. I go to the gas station and fill my car. I'm going to keep doing it. And then when I can't, I'll figure it out. Right. But don't be all judgy about people just behaving the way they usually behave. Keith, are you able to unmute? Yes. Uh, hi, Nicole. Hi, Keith. Welcome to Unloose the Goose. Welcome back. I was there last week. Well, I wasn't there last week. Though. Oh, snaps. But oh, I did that. <laughs> I've been um, catching up or getting up to speed with the Unloose the Goose from last week. I started backtracking and then I'm like uh, coming totally aware of you guys and, and uh, what you guys um, represent. You know? so. so. Well, why are you interested in going on that journey? Because I'm 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 uh, sinking. <laughs> I'm in California. Um, oh. So I've uh, embraced the lifestyle that you talked about my whole life, but never really saw how to do it. Yeah. Um, I could homestead in a heartbeat. I mean, I I have skills. Um, you know, that kind of get it done kind of a thing. Not be a victim. And um, my problem or where I'm at right now is just understanding that we've been controlled by propaganda most of our lives. And I'm a direct result. I'm a poster child of every propaganda and thing that they've done to civilization um, for the most part. And I'm still here, but man, I'm, uh, I'm feeling it just like the rest of you. I'm kind of lucky. Um, I'm really with like an hour and a half from the wall. Um, mm hmm I live where Route 66 dumps into California, the San Bernardino in the song, you know, Route 66, San Bernardino. And I live, and I'm not being racial, I embrace this, but I live in Mexico, um, mm -hmm. literally. And um, they take care of each other. I live in a community that supports each other in a sense, even when people don't have, they share. So I'm, I'm in a kind of a little gem, so to speak. So I really do love where I live. It's just the fact that it all could just disappear in a heartbeat and I'm going to be left with nothing is the realization and um, working through that and knowing that you guys have tools. And um, that's what I discovered last week. And uh, so hoping that uh, things are going to keep moving forward and I can um, be a part of something that makes sense and not only helps me, but helps the world. Well, so the first person we've had on today, Sage, is dependent on disability for income at this point and on life supporting things that require electricity. And when I asked him, what are you doing to be more independent? He said he was, well, I think it was two months. Was it Sage? Was it two months away two from paying off your month, your mortgage? Yeah, I have two years left on my mortgage. So even if you're in that situation, there is something you can do to increase your stability. And Keith, I think you nailed it with community because the next question for Sage was, how are the people around you? How close is your community? Somebody on uh, Facebook or no, YouTube, this is YouTube over here. One of those mega platforms that make me mad sometimes. Anyway, they asked, what can you do to build community if you are not able to get together in person? So I'm going to throw that out to y'all. Keith, do you want to start? Oh, snaps. Um, <laughs> Do you want to hand it to Leos? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot of perspectives on things. Um, I'm I'm very aware of the control that's going on, like all the problems we're having here. Um, you can get snuffed out or in a sense of being contained, and they want to strangle everybody. And um, it's kind of sad because the mass thing right now for me, I went out today, and um, luckily I have an egg farm in my in my city. <laughs> this used to be nothing but egg farms. So I went and got fresh eggs today, you know. Um, yeah. Um, and distributing those, you know, because I'm in a position where there's elderly people. And my thing is, what can I do to, like, people that can't get out right now? I'm, I'm kind of working on a little trailer. And I was talking to a friend. What if I just went and bought, like, $200 worth of eggs and just hit the streets and started distributing them? And my buddy's like, well, that's what I did when I was a kid. You know, he's from Canada. Right. But, you know, um. Just try it, um, like you said, being outside right now or seeing online where people are getting really agitated. I feel it. Um, but then just, um, think about somebody else, you know, put somebody else in front of you when you make a decision in a, in a community sense, you know, how can yeah. I bring everybody together and everybody can prosper? 
Um, having ideas on that, like I said, it's kind of rough for me over here right now. Um, but um, I know it can be done. I'm hopeful. I have a, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to come up with ideas or brainstorming and, and what you talk about, where you have in your community, there's you, you dine together every night, you discuss things, you uh, weigh things out, so to speak. And uh, the uh, the cells that have been talked about, um, the freedom cells, and uh, collectively. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. There's there's some things going down on the 14th, 15th. There's a lot of things going down um, over the United States. So um, I have a location in Huntington Beach um, where they're going to be going to the pier, and there's going to be a kind of a movement going on this weekend, and I'm excited about it. I'm actually entertaining going. Um, I filled my tank up with gas today, so... Um, yeah, some people can't do that right now. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Hey, um, we got somebody just jumped on. I'm hoping that he can unmute. Xavier, welcome to Unloose the Goose. Hey, everybody. Hey. Glad to be here. I, I have uh, an emergency meeting that just popped up, and I'm, I had to head out to go to it. Yeah. Yeah. And but I'm, I'm having... here, and I'm excited to hear what everybody's got to share. Uh, so Xavier, what brought you to Unloose the Goose? Oh wow! Um, so I'd done interviews with Jack in the past, and you know we we I started a, a search and rescue team many many years ago, and I've been working in cryptocurrency from the jump, and you know these were all topics that were pertinent to the the community of people who wanted to prepare and be ready for anything and, and build a better life. And, you know, it was just a perfect fit because I was always working on autonomy, you know, taking accountability for myself and building a better world. And I think that what we've built here with our community is just, it's really in Sounds the, like the NSA just got Xavier. <laughs> right? Like, we're, we're building like a real community here. We're getting to know everybody that's in it. And in the time, in times like this, where things are super uncertain and, you know, the, the future destiny of our civilization is uncertain, it just makes sense that we all start connecting and building relationships and having, um, you know, having not ha- having a realistic perspective of how bad things could be while also straddling the other polarity of here's how we build like the solution. To, to solving the disastrous problems just happens to also be the solution for making a better world anyway. Hmm. So it, it just makes sense that we're, you know, coalescing this community. We've got like a whole group of, of cryptocurrency enthusiasts, which again goes into self accountability and banking for yourself. And I think we've attracted a lot of really amazing folks who are building their own dream lives. You know, yeah. you, some, some people call it like self help and coaching and all this, but really, this is like how we're all supposed to be living anyway, you know? So I came to Unloose the Goose because Jack was like, Hey, I have this idea. How about we get a sort of expert council? Um, and I was the only person who didn't have a podcast or whatever. So it, it just, it made sense. And I felt like, you know, we could, we could discover something really great here. Sounds like well, maybe you just snuck on, in. Uh, Marcus, but it looks like he does not want to speak because he's, it's nighttime in Germany where he's coming in from. So. Oh, God bless Leos. Marcos. He comes in late at night. Marcos, yeah. Um, Leos, what's your thoughts on how to build community when you can't necessarily be in person? Well, I was going to say, I think I think Xavier just snuck in the answer for both Mark and Keith at the same time a moment Woo. ago. You know, when you're unable or people are unwilling, you know, to meet in a face-to-face or a more conventional way, um, we can build communities using tools like this just like we're doing right now. This community, this conversation, uh, other networks of uh, a similar type, whether it is a freedom cell or whether it is a, a, a loose network of friends that are happy to take eggs when you have them, Keith. You know, it doesn't have to be more than a, a wave and a phone call, but when you have the option to at least, you know, intellectually meet with people and have these kinds of conversations, you can't be without community. Right? If we define community in, you know, a place where you and I can shake hands, we're actually kind of selling ourselves short. 
because some of the best community building, and I've seen it in Nicole's community, I've seen it in Jack's community, I've seen it in the Unloose the Goose community, doesn't have that at all. Or if it does, it's a very, very small part of the larger growth of that community, right? Yeah, it is. Duck Cluck, you got anything to add to that? Well, I think the most important thing is to just get out and rejoin the community. Last weekend, we were at my mom's church doing a fundraiser for a domestic violence shelter. And everyone was overjoyed that they were enjoying the fellowship of their uh, fellow parishioners. And they were not, you know, they were not wearing masks and they were just enjoying being out and acting like everything was normal. People really need that right now. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Every, so everybody I know who does events that are in person has had events explode in participation. It's crazy because people are craving doing the in person. And so if you're willing to invite people over, Maybe Sage, you can do that. I don't know. Uh, some will come. Some will not come. Some are too scared to come, but some will come. And the ones who come are going to be so thankful that, that that dinner party happened or an outside barbecue or whatever it is that you'll right. find you can start having really real conversations, which is fantastic. And, you know, after all of this madness, like people are, we used to be the tinfoil hat folks and now we're the cool kids, as I said on baseline the other day. And like, everybody's like, you guys were right all along. And it's like, yeah, welcome to the party. And like, now how do you get involved? Something that, that, that is an interesting point to all of this is that like we have a community in South Florida and they're not preppers in any way, but they're empowered. A lot of them are like self-empowered females, entrepreneurs. They have their own businesses uh, and it's built around yoga and spirituality. Right. And, you know, when COVID started in November of 19, I was like, okay, this is what you all are going to need, like to stock up on. This is the kind of things that you're going to need to be prepared for mentally and emotionally. And they all were laughing at in November 19. And then in February, March of 20, they were all, they, they were all calling me. So sorry, we laughed at you. Please. What do we do now? You know? And (laughs) yeah, totally. And I, and I was like up in the mountains, totally safe. And like, you know, I'm like, don't come here now. You know, I gave you the opportunity to, but you didn't take it seriously at the time. So um, now, now we're able to have those conversations. But back then it was also like, you know, who is your community? Can you, can you count on them uh, when, when things get tough? Are you going to want to bug out or bug in with them? You know, because there's a lot of people in my networks, business or just social networks that I wouldn't necessarily want uh, on the ranch. You know what I mean? So that's a really good point. And uh, let's go around the horn a little bit. I'll start with Leos. How do you decide who you would want on the ranch versus who's just sort of a friend? Well, um, perhaps this is one of the good sides to having a lot of digital community uh, or Internet community. Um, A lot of folks aren't close by enough for that to even be an option. So when they float that and they say like, Hey, I'll be up in your area. I can decide whether it's like easier for me to say, let me meet you for coffee here or let's go out to lunch or whether I really do want to bring them in and say, yeah, come see the wife and kids. I'll show you around the homestead and that sort of thing. You know, you start off with that immediate buffer. Um, but the, the flip side is, you know, how do you deal with it when your sister-in-law wants to stop by and you don't want her to come, right? She knows where you live. She's been there before, but you've got ways oh my to God, handle yes. that. Right. You've got ways to yeah. handle that. So it's really just yeah. the same as anything else. You know, when, when you've got somebody in your immediate life that's going to stop by, you've got the things you say and the faces you make and the things you do to send them away. And that still works. It's true. Uh, I think the hard time in times of difficulty is or the hard thing is some people who think they're in the circle are not in the circle. That's very true. Uh, you know, I try to be very open with my circle. Um, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean all inclusive, but it's more like, you know, you've got my number. Give me a call. Right. And the number, you know, you can always pick up the phone. You're always allowed to call me, but if you're going to knock on my door, 
call first, <laughs> you know, because you don't necessarily, you won't like what you see necessarily if you show up and wake me up in the middle of the night. Call first, right? <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, I have a friend who says, hey, Nicole, I got a camper in my yard. If you ever need it, just, you know, try to call me. But if I don't answer, just open the door and sleep in the camper. It's fine. Well, right. You know, and, and that's about, you know, you have that in circle and your out circle. There's going to be certain people where you, you know, you step outside in the morning to, you know, get the paper. You know, I'm using air quotes. You can't see, you know, you step outside in the morning to get your paper and they get their hammock over there and you're like, Oh, great. Let me get some more coffee. There's also other people where it's like, Hey, what's up? What, right. what's, what's going on? Why are you here? Yeah. And, and Marcus just said, I definitely found that in-person contact has gotten more intense and deep after all the social distancing, which is good yeah. because you'll you very quickly figure out if people are full of crap or not. Well, that's um, a good I'm question too. Using his exact words, just to be blunt. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question too. Have you guys found that um, there are particular people who are, I don't know, you know, more hip to what you want than others, and that it's been easier to open your door to those individuals? Because I have found that, um, you know, you find, uh, let's say the mask issue for one thing, right? You know, if if they are um, really strongly behind the mask idea, if, if you're dealing with a masketeer, you know, they, you kind of want to keep them at, at arm's length. But if you've got somebody who says, like, we're sitting outside, what do I want a mask for? It's like, well, all right, yes, well, let's have some more conversation about this, right? Have you guys found that there are some people you maybe are surprised by uh agreeing with you or being more in alignment than you would have thought? Totally. I would even take it a step further. In in November 19, I gave a list to a, a, a certain group of people that I was associated with. And I said, if you are going to bug out, you need to do so when we do so. And you need to have these things or you are not going to be allowed where we're at. You know, I want to make it available to you, but I'm very, very adamant that you, if you do not adhere to these things, do not expect to be welcome if you show up. And, you know, that that really weeded out those who were, uh, you know, aligned, let's say, and those who didn't take it seriously and who afterwards were like, can we, you know, come and visit? And we were like, nope, you know, we, we gave you the, the window and we gave you the opportunity and we made it really clear and we're very, very welcoming under yeah. these conditions. But if you are if you can't meet those conditions, then you, you're not welcome as much as we love you, family. Or, you know, close friends like that. That's that's just like not just operational security to use like a military term, but just sound. You know, we have enough food, enough supplies to supply ourselves and take care of ourselves. If you do not come with those things, you are hurting us. So Keith got me to thinking about something and it's back on the topic of how to build community now where people are starting to get. You know, like not where he is, but when when things are going on, if you are in a secure position and have abundance, you can share that. So right now I'm watching the gas shortage here thinking if I see a single mom who can't get to work, I very well might show up with five gallons of gas. Yeah, because I know this shortage is temporary. And if it's not, I'm extra screwed anyway. And that five gallons isn't going to matter in the grander scheme of my life. Right. So if you're in a place where where you see ways to help, just like when we had the toilet paper shortage last year, I, I offered to mail to- toilet paper to people who were freaking out. I'll <laughs> mail you some. Nobody took me up on it, but I would have. Well, well, right. You know, and, and articulating that as a strategy actually may be helpful, too, because, you know, when, when you say, like, you know, what do I do now? It's like, well, you don't necessarily have the option to do anything now, but for the next time, right? Like who's going to be in that situation where they have no toilet paper for six months again, right? After, after this whole, whole mess, right? No, but very, very few people. Gas. Right. The two-legged muppet cows. I don't know what they're yeah. going to be out. Of. Oh, look, right, right. Right. you have video. Yeah. But that's hey. the thing, right? Like if you're looking now and you're saying like, well, okay, where can I create abundance in my own stores, in my own preps, in my own, um, solution set so that when something like this happens and it's kind of out of left field, I have something to share. You know, Keith's doing it with eggs from the local producers. Nicole, I know where you get your eggs. You know where I get my eggs. Yeah. We take, we take a walk out back and we get them. But if we have yeah. a surplus in this season, which, which we do, we also have stuff to share in the event that, 
um, that is, you know, becomes something that's, that's, that's facile, something that's, that's useful. So, um, so Mark or, or Keith, when you're, when you're saying it's like, well, I don't know what I can do to build community. It's like, well, you know, create a, a little bit of wiggle room and space with your assets and your abundance so that you have overtures like the gas that Nicole was just talking about that you can offer to other people. And yeah. pretty soon you will have community forming around you. Yeah, that's true. So Sage, do you think you could have a dinner party in your area and have people show up? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, we have a very tight community. Um, it's just they're aging out. Um, they're being divided by um, the the party lines, I, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, the the... They're just being divided and weeded out and aging out. Um, and it's, it's a turning, you know, you got, I live in an older community and, um, it's, it's a change of times. So can you start a positive conversation? Oh yeah, I mean we we have we have good rapport. It's just everybody monitors the conversation. It's like oh well, you know, um, they're not going to discuss the things that um, that we discuss on the internet. We just don't have those uh, conversations, and you know we talk about other things. Talk about people. How so and so doing? How's your kids? You know, how's what so and so doing now? Um, those are the conversations. We're not having you know, how we're going to fix the community unless we're having a neighborhood meeting. And then, you know, uh, we're going to monitor this stop sign over here because people keep running in it. And then I get a $234 <laughs> ticket for rolling the damn stop sign. So thanks, guys. Well, right. But it doesn't have to be a conversation about those things. I mean, if if the, if the community governance stuff is too hot button and, and too um confrontational and the the gossip about how people are doing is not meaningful enough can you think i mean because this is really a brainstorming exercise for you it would be like how can you find a topic that people will find engaging and enriching that will stay on the relatively narrow road of a positive and uplifting conversation because as soon as you as you strike that spark I suspect you'll be very surprised to see how many people flock to that conversation in order to keep it going. Who has had success in the last six months in getting people out of their tribal fixation on a party line line, a team color sort of political approach to. Oh yeah. And into just talking about the root cause or the bigger picture or how we want our lives to be. Who's had success with that? And what have you done? I've had, I've had varied success. I've had people totally disown me as friends and say, you are dead to me. And then I've had the other where people like actually think Biden might be a good, good choice for something other than, you know, a geriatric home. And they had those people that have, that have managed to, to keep in the conversation are, are very much about, um, peace and prosperity. And we focus on how to cultivate that and how to better our lives, like, like positive focused things rather than, you know, confrontation or conflict things. Mm-hmm. Keith, have you had any success with that? Um, no, I'm kind of like Xavier at this point. Um, my family's pretty much disowned me. All my friends that I've had in the little tribe, there was the one person I talked to. He said, you know, if you ever need anything, uh, he stopped taking my calls because I'm always trying to reach out. So I'm now a man on an island out here right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it is what it is. Um, but, um, you know, the whole thing is try to present a solution, you know, don't always be about the negative. Try to find there's always a solution, which, you know, you are presenting. I've heard you quite a few times talk about that in, in the podcast. Um, you know, be a part of the solution um, and listen. That's one thing that I've learned very reluctantly is being able to listen and not have an opinion on everything. 
and try to see somebody's other viewpoint or perspective, you know. Uh, and I think that's one step. Um, what I think you guys, um, I'm looking forward to is actually learning some of the solutions that you guys have. Um, it's a slow process at this point, but, um, like that, I, I'm an island to myself at this point. <laughs> it's pretty bad, but. So does that make you smart. lonely out there in California? Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Duck Cluck, how about you? Have you had success in getting people out of the, the team color discussion and into something bigger? It, it's definitely been mixed success. And I frankly don't spend much time trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, re- I'm a recovering, uh, Republican. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, I guess I have some more conservative leanings, but. Overall, I just find very little use at this point in uh, political discourse and uh, arguing about it with people. It's pretty pointless. Amen. I I just keep interacting with the people who can agree to disagree. And I have certainly interacted a lot less with uh, people who are overly partisan about stuff. It's it's funny how you end up that way on all sides of all parties. Once yeah. you start seeing a different path. And yeah. Keith, Keith keeps saying we have tools. What tools do we have, Keith? Well, I'm um I've always tried to teach others um um how do you say? Be smart about things. Um I, I read up on Jack's, uh, 17 laws and being where I, where I live, uh, or the 17th law with the three S's, stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, that's, like I said, I'm a poster child. Uh, you know, where I live. so just having understanding that there is a chance that things to turn around and just keep moving. And, and, um, like I said, that's the only solution I have. I just try to hold the light at this point. I think as we've been exploring or discussing agorism on Unloose the Goose, something that strikes me is that it's not very complex. Does that strike you, X? Yeah. Yeah. It's like really just common sense stuff that throughout history humans have done. And it's just at this time period, people have become very complacent. They live in the Disneyland of civilization and they think, oh, this is reality. But this is like, it's like a layer on top of reality that has nothing to do with reality and the fundamental laws of nature, right? And what we as agorists are doing are just returning to those, you know, natural law and like common sense and looking at the construct of reality, the judicial system, the economic system, the governance system and saying, this has gotten a little bit out of hand and we should have the basic fundamentals covered if we're going to interface with this system at all. Yeah. It's, and those it's, basic fundamentals are like self-preservation, you know, food preparation and production, producing, creating, and taking accountability for one's own safety. It almost feels like we're going back to being wild, which is how we were meant to be. Going back? Baby, yeah. I've always been wild. Oh, I'm sure you have. <laughs> I led a coddled back life. But the the thing being, or my thought about that is, we get a lot of questions about it, and then I, I, I come back to it's kind of the same answer, which is find a way to do it that works for you. Find a way to go around whatever this fucked up system is that's in front of you and live your life as best you can and help your fellow man and trade with people yeah. free, freely, and it really yeah. is that simple. So You're talking, talking about having success, you know, getting people off of, uh, you know, the team colors and divided lines. I find the more entrenched the issue is, the, the more clearly the divided lines are, um, the less, uh, energy you want to expend actually attempting to take that trench. Um, so where I end up a lot is in, in between, you know, I'm, I'm walking the lateral line between the trenches, you know, in the no man's land. And sometimes you got to walk fast. Um, 
but yeah, because you get tacked from both sides then. Exactly, but you're putting a target on your head always. Anyway, it seems yeah. like we're just having an opinion that doesn't conform. But you know, to, not to stretch the analogy too far, but you know, if if I'm there walking fast, every once in a while I'll look over my shoulder and see who's trying to follow me because it seems like there are people who are willing to do that, and that's actually where the most productive conversations can start. You know, it makes it a little tougher, you know, like, well, dad's on this side of the line and, and my brother's on that side of the line and I'd like them to come and follow me. But if they won't, I'm not going to spend time pushing back against them because that's how you solidify their resistance. Yeah. Um, and and just by, you know, trying to live my best life, you'd be amazed how many opportunities uh, you can create to start a more productive conversation um, by by taking care of that sort of business first, you know, by walking down the middle and just, you know not trying to engage on either side. Uh, you may find that it opens up different strategies than you've had trying to pull people back you know, or into the middle. Yeah, well, I think there, oh, who's about to talk? Keith. Keith, go. <laughs> uh, just talking about strategy. And see, this is kind of like where I'm at right now. All these supposed strategies that I was supposed to learn and go by these systems, um, we're kind of naked right now, you know? Um, What's the freaking truth? And um, exactly, that's kind of like. I think that's also the fundamental agorist attitude: is what What is the truth? Because the truth, as difficult as it may be to comprehend, accept, or adapt to, is fundamentally more valuable than living in a lie. And the, the this Disneyland of civilization, as I call it, is fundamentally built on lies. And I think as we are all like waking up and realizing like, wait, this is not important. This is important. We're realizing that a, we want more truth in our lives. And B, when we, when we accept the truth, we then take more accountability for our own well-being, our own happiness and our own destiny, essentially. And there is no greater feeling with all its ups and downs, right? We're all going to die. Nobody gets out of this alive. Are you going to live a fulfilled life? And go forward towards that uh, that eventual day with joy and with acceptance, or are you going to cower and wait for it? You know, trying to avoid the inevitable and and just eke out some sort of miserable life based on on falsehood. I, I choose the first, and I think a lot of agorists do as well. Yeah, and it's very hard to find it as re- regards current events to find the truth. But I have found I don't need to know the truth about yeah. the pipeline per se. Well, right. It, there's a philosophy. That, that happened, and I need to know the truth about what that means right here. And I'm going to figure right. it out here. But the bigger, I mean, I like to look at, Xavier knows, I like to look at the bigger picture things that are going on, but I don't spend very much time doing that because I can't change it or control it. I can only make it part of my environment. Right. Right. Well, and I only do it, you know, as, as part of my operational security, figuring out yeah. what, you know, threat assessment. What do I need to be prepared for? What motherfucking games are these guys going to play next? You know, Right. Yeah. I think there's an interesting philosophical difference, too, between what you see a lot of people doing, which is jumping from, like, you know, lily pad of fact to lily pad of fact to lily pad of fact. And sometimes it's only air quotes facts, right? The facts they've been fed. Right. Uh, Where we are or where a lot of people in this community, a lot of agorists, I think, end up is in more of a treading water stance. You had to learn to swim. You had to learn to keep your head above water. And you're not waiting for the next fact lily pad to jump to. You're kind of moving in right. between them all the time and saying, like, you know, I'm looking for solid ground. Where can I find it? So that philosophical yeah. head shift is a huge difference. Uh, and it leaves you feeling more like uh, you're in control, even though what you're left with is a whole bunch of doubt about what is the truth. Yeah, you know. Marcus just says, well put, pick one of the ton of shitty things that constantly happen. Everybody has one hot topic and find a solution or two for them. And that helps you reach beyond the political thing. OK, we're, we're coming up on an hour before we sign off. Let's go around the horn and just tell me one thing you're thinking about a little bit differently after this chat. Xavier, do I need to start with you because you need to bolt? That's a good idea. Yeah. So. One thing I thought about differently, some things that Mike said really, really got me. And I I was like, you know, that's great. Like most of you guys know that my baseline is more right leaning these days, whereas in the past it might have been more left. But now I'm just calling out bullshit on every side that I can see. 
and trying to do it in a fun way. And this, this whole idea of, you know, maybe look back and see who's going down the same road, I think is like, is, is really awesome. And I'm, I'm, that's a big takeaway for me. So thank you for being here, Mike. And thanks for all of you for sharing your time with us. Yep. And those are church bells going on in the back. Yes. Church bells. Yep. Bye Xavier. Keith, what's one thing you're looking at a little differently? Um, the responsibility, um, you know, we talked about kind of where we need to start. Um, like I got tuned in to Xavier and it, uh, so monetarily speaking, the deep, uh, centralization of the fiat and the progression of crypto and how that's going along. I'm trying to learn. Um, and, um, so this, I think that's one of the foundational things because obviously we're all going to need, uh, like, uh, Sage was talking about the, uh, the connection to the government and how he's kind of tied into it pretty hard. Um, and having that freedom back and that's one of the tools that we can use, you know? Cool. I think. Okay. Sage, what, what's something you're thinking about differently? Um, <laughs> uh... I guess I'm, 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 I'm just kind of woken up to, uh, my dependence that, that, that I, I have. Um, I mean, I, I am in a strong community. We do, um, you know, share with each other. I do a lot of, uh, uh, computer work and internet work and keeping everybody online and helping them figure out, you know, how to use Amazon and whether or not they're hashtagging or not. Uh, so, um, did I, did I, you know, I just need to learn how to not be as dependent as I am. And unfortunately, you know, I got hit pretty hard. We had a, uh, acre and a half property that we were going to build a retirement center on. Um, and we had, we were looking at building, uh, blocks of homes and, that just literally got robbed from us uh, by a family member. So, uh, oh, it looks like he cut out. Did everybody else cut out? Leos, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had a had an inside call. Uh, yeah. Just got dropped. So, you know, I'm just building new ideas and and uh, I don't, you know, try to be as self sustained as I can. Yep. Others, chickens digging a well, um, paying off the mortgage. Exactly. You Doesn't have to be that big. That <laughs> Leos, what's something you're thinking about differently? Well, it, it doesn't have to be big things, right? You know, people think about, um, you know, digging a well, you know, or something really large, you know, getting self-sufficient, moving into the woods, separating all ties. Um, and I'm thinking about small solutions and suggestions that, that can actually go a long way. You know, Jack talks a lot about incremental, uh, progress. You know, you're either moving a little bit ahead or you're falling a little bit behind. There is no, there is no status quo. And I, I think that applies here too. If there's something that we can do to feel a little bit less afraid, a little bit less uncertain, a little bit less alone, it doesn't matter how small that progress is, um, because it's forward progress. So, don't take out the shovel and dig the well one one uh one shovel full <laughs> at a time, Sage. But no. do find, you know, the thing you can do today that will make a difference on one of those things that you're concerned about. Because the focus on big things and worldwide solutions and solving all of the problems with a silver a silver bullet is great for like a a a, a bonfire conversation. Um but when it comes to building your life and making changes in your life or my life or Keith's life or anybody's life, everybody from their own perspective, right? It's those little things that are going to add up to the real big changes in your life. And as long as you're sure that that's a move in the right direction and for the positive, I don't think you can go wrong. So I have this from Marcus in Germany. I took away that your two-party system also has advantages for people like us. You only have two trenches to look at. Over here, it's even more complicated, more parties. For background, and I feel like I have to opt out further of the whole left, right, liberal, green game. So that's good. Stopping with the team colors is a great insight to have. Um, I will. I'll share my insight, and it was it was the one that was brought to me by Keith, which was because I'm all about building community. 
being more purposeful about reaching out with the benefit of community to people who may not be in the inner circle would be a really good way to expand the stability of the of what's around you. And so I'm going to be starting to pay more attention when people need that five gallons of gas or that roll of toilet paper to just a little thing to develop the relationship. With that, this has been episode 40 of Unloose the Goose. If you like what you heard, go over to UnlooseTheGoose.com and get on our mail list and check us out on social. And we will see you next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Love talking to you. Unloose the Goose. We'll take no abuse.